lace up those cleats, and put on those mitts. It's time for another exciting edition of Our Little Yankees Podcast. Stepping up to the mic, it's the Olaf team. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody, and welcome inside another exciting edition of Our Little Yankees Podcast. So long, but we are back, folks. I am Julian Coultry. I join alongside, as always, my boys, my friends, my compadres, Josh Levin. What up, what up? And Eric Ray Sepulveda. E-Ray, what up, bud? What's up, guys? It's been a while. It's great seeing you. I know. That's what I was going to say. This is the first podcast that we have been able to do in probably about like three, three and a half weeks. And Obviously, it was for a good reason. I'm moving a little bit. I'm down in D.C. now, and I was on a vacation to Alaska. And for a lot of that three weeks, or at least maybe the first portion of that three weeks, we honestly thought that the New York Yankees might never lose again. And now we honestly think that they might never win again because they've been that bad. So really, it's been like a complete 180 from when we stopped recording the podcast and took this three-week hiatus to what they've been now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's almost like when we, you know, when we took our little break, they stepped into a, in a, into a time machine and went back to April and May and June. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's ugly. It's yep. ugly. You know, it, <laughs> it, I don't know how, how else to put it other than that. It's just bad. You know, what's ironic. It's almost like we are kind of destined on this podcast to never talk about the Yankees being yeah. good. Because we were given maybe one episode where I think the win streak was maybe about like six or seven games. They obviously yeah. had, had been able to, to put a little bit together, but we weren't in the thick of it. We didn't get to really get into the juiciness of the 13-game win streak with the comebacks and the big offensive outputs and being able to dominate the first part of that West Coast swing. And now that we are back, the Yankees are playing legitimately terribly. They just lost two out of three of the Mets. They got swept by the Toronto Blue Jays in that series in which they didn't lead the entire time for the first time in 90-plus years. They got lose two out of three of the Baltimore Orioles, and it was just terrible. So it really is almost as if the 2021 season and this New York Yankees podcast, our little Yankees podcast, is destined to never be able to talk about the Yankees being good because we have really yet to on the now almost three quarters or more than three quarters of the season that we've done this. We were bamboozled. We were fooled. Um, we were blue balled. That's <laughs> we were, that's literally what we were. I mean, when the Yankees, the last time they, they made it to 13 wins in a row and losing two out of three in Oakland, that's fine, whatever. And then losing two out of three in – They did. They won. They, they split. split. It was a split. They split. Oh, they split. You're right. It was a four-game series. They lost two out of three to the Angels, which is, you know, in its own regard, it's bad because the Angels are whatever. But it's still the West Coast, you know what I mean? But when they lost two out of three to the Orioles, like you said, Jules, that's when we – I felt like we were starting to get hot. Like, because that's just – you can't do that. Not in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Since our last podcast, the Yankees are 8-12. and 12. And they blew a 10 and a half game lead in 16 days to the Toronto Blue Jays, who, I mean, are scorching right now. They look like, I think uh, Josh mentioned it in chat the other day, they look like the team to beat right now. They're just hitting on all cylinders. They're like, Josh gave a crazy prediction. He said he, he did. thinks they're going to win the know, I don't want to give it yet. Maybe he'll do yeah. it. Yeah, I just revealed it. So. <laughs> That's oh, fine. yeah, sure. 
but yeah, man, it's, it's really, it's really fucking bad actually. And uh, granted they, they won Saturday, Aaron judge um, with the two home runs ties the game. Then Sunday, the whole ordeal there. And then yesterday they came back, which, you know, if they lost against the Minnesota twins, a team that you have been killing for the last two decades and the Twins also came in at 1.30 last night, and the Yankees just bent the water yesterday. And Aaron Judge, the guy again, brought us back. Aaron Judge in himself, you got to give him credit. He's trying to save this season for us, and he's been healthy all year. And, yeah, man, I mean, another big – literally every every game – I think they have 18 games left. Every game is big. I mean, the wild card race is as tight as hell. I mean, you got Oakland and Seattle right behind us. And then you got um, with a second right now by a percentage point, and then the Toronto Blue Jays hold the one seed. But yeah, man, it's gonna be a tense, crazy um, next three weeks of this wild card race. And I don't want to be fooled. Right now, I, I I still think they have to show us something in the next nine games against bad teams. But I don't want to fall for it again because I still think they're pieces of shit and mediocre. So, so so the the best way to put it is that. The good news is that the Yankees control their own destiny because, of course, they play their final three series against Boston and Toronto and Tampa Bay. And the bad news is that the 2021 Yankees are the Yankees that control their own destiny. And they've been absolutely garbage this year and they have not been good at any point. So if I told you guys that they would go, I don't know, in that nine game stretch, two and seven, you probably would say absolutely, I hundred percent believe that because the piece is a shit, as E Ray just said. So, it's Jules, if they go and two and seven, game. if they go two and seven in the next nine games, I don't need against these. Well, it wouldn't be the next nine, not not against Baltimore or, or Texas or Cleveland, who are obviously they're against. But I mean, again, at the end of the at the end of the oh, season, that's a big saying. crucial stretch because at the end yeah, of the yeah. day, they control their own destiny with those games, even if they were. 500 and went into that series where they are now, which is a game back of Toronto, a game back of Boston, they would have an opportunity to put themselves in not only a playoff spot, but in the top spot in the wild card, which at this point is what they're getting. The division's toast. It's been toast for weeks, really, since they didn't gain any ground against Tampa with the 13-game win streak. But now the Yankees have to do it. And that's really where we can start here, because the fact is, despite everything – Despite the fact that we have seen this team invest in the trade deadline to try and get good players, despite the fact that we have, you know, hammered and hawed and moaned and bitched about their inability to do things right, we are now mid-September with 18 games left, and the New York Yankees are still making boneheaded moves with their, their lineups. They're still resting players. They're prioritizing putting bad lineups out there in order to save a guy, and Frankly, the thing is, that can't happen anymore. And it was the biggest issue over the last few weeks and why they stunk so bad. And now it looks as though it's probably going to continue as they get towards the end of the season, which is not encouraging news if you want the Yankees to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think, um, you know, over that 13-game streak and really even before the streak began, like when they started playing better, uh, you know, around the all-star break before and after they were doing things differently. They were stealing bases. You know, we talked all about that stuff in the previous weeks and months, but something happened towards the end of that streak. And, and even, you know, after it ended, which was that they kind of stopped doing all those things differently. And, and I'm not just talking about stolen bases during that time, you know, they were playing their best players 
Um, you know, Luke Voigt was in the lineup every day, winning AL Player of the Week. Um, you know, they were just there was a sense of urgency that hadn't been there in previous months. And it's almost like when the streak ended, they just kind of reverted back to the same philosophies that they had before, because at least in my opinion, it feels like they use that 13 game streak as a way to really get themselves, not just back in the race, but into a playoff spot. And once they were in the first place on the wild card with what, what was it? A three and a half game lead um, with games in hand over Boston uh, who was behind them. Like it almost is at that moment, they took their foot off the gas and said, okay, we're good. We have our, we're where we need to be in the standings. Now we can start to do those things again, which is, you know, resting guys trying to steal an extra day off for certain guys, or, you know, just doing all the things that, you know, drives you nuts as a fan. And so that's what happened. They, they stopped stealing bases guys stopped getting in the lineup. Um, You know, the defense became sloppy again, the relief pitching has been a massive issue. And all of a sudden, what do you have, uh, you know, where they are right now, which is, you know, tied for the second wild card spot by percentage points, maybe a little bit ahead of Boston, but not by any means are they a lock to make the playoffs. And two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was, maybe less, two and a half weeks ago, we, I think the three of us all thought for sure they were making it. I mean, I was talking to people in my life as if it was a guarantee that October was coming just because I think it, the, the playoff probability, they were at like 97% or something yeah, like that. 97. And, then, and then it was the Orioles. The Orioles series came, uh, you know, the Angels and then the Orioles series came right after that. And ever since then, it's just been, you know, where we, it's just been a, a spiral. And I said this to you guys last week. It's, it's like when they start playing badly and they get into a funk, they fall deep into a hole before they crawl out of it. And yeah, I mean, the seven game losing streak ended, um, but it's win one, lose one, win one, lose one. They they still haven't gotten out of the hole that they that they climbed into for two weeks against poor competition aside from Toronto. So we're still waiting for them to like really turn the corner from from the losing streak and from, you know, the bad stretch of games. And they're running out of time. And, you know, it's you hear some of the quotes and it's just like, they think they still think that they have time. It's they don't like they have to go on a starting tonight. I think they have to basically, in my opinion, they have to sweep the rest of the week. They have to sweep Baltimore and they have to sweep uh, uh, Cleveland and they have to sweep Texas next week before they play to Toronto again. Um, because I just don't think, and then they play Boston as well. So I, I mean, I, cause I just don't think that they have any margin for error. And that's the only way that me or you or anybody else is going to say to ourselves, okay, they're going to make the playoffs. Now we have to see them actually like pummel bad teams. They have to play up. They have to play up. They have to pretend that these teams are good because they play, they play down to their competition when the team is bad and they play up when the team is good. That's except for the Toronto series last week. But you know, so like it has to start tonight with Garrett Cole on the mound. Now's the time. And what's most important is the fact that they have to stop pussyfooting around when it comes to putting out lineups, because the fact is they can no longer afford that because of how bad their bullpen is. They cannot go into games where they're up uh, one, two, three runs late in the contest, because since we last recorded the pod, Jonathan Wise obviously got hurt. 
Zach Britton was confirmed that he's been done for the year. Chapman has not been good. We know that he hasn't been good most of the year since that beginning stretch. So you're looking at the fact where as much as we've complained about it, they are regularly throwing Andrew Heaney out there in yeah. high leverage innings, despite the fact that he is the worst pitcher that I have ever seen. And he's not a reliever. He's a starter. And he pitched so, two days in a row. Yep. He pitched two days in a row. And, 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 and this is a guy who is now being asked to shut down opposing teams. And in, in that series against the Mets, he came in with the bases loaded and one out. This is a guy who is a fly ball pitcher and in other games has been responsible for blowing it. And yet Aaron Boone or the analytics staff or Brian Cashman, whoever it might be, they're saying he needs to go out there and pitch. So the only way that the Yankees can win and do what Josh mentioned, which is go on a really long, beefy win streak where they can keep themselves in the race and maybe gain a couple of games on Boston, Toronto, if they fall flat on their face, is to put Luke Voigt out there, is to put Stanton out there, is to put Judge out there, make sure Rizzo and Gallo are out there, and make sure these guys play every single day. The, the, the ability to afford days off does not exist anymore. And we know it probably will because that's what they've done all year, and that's what's so frustrating. And I remember hearing Luis Rojas, who obviously is not the Yankees manager, he's the Mets manager, but he said on, on Carton and Roberts last week, that, you know, we use analytics and we look at the way that these guys have played and, you know, we have to give them a day off. But the fact is, no, you can't do that anymore because the only way the Yankees are going to keep themselves from falling out of it is if they use their lineup to the advantage because outside of Garrett Cole, their starters have started to fall flat on their face. Luis Hill's heel stunk yesterday. You know, the rest of the rotation has not really been that good and their bullpen has been a disaster. Tyone's hurt. Part of a month. We have to mention that as well. Tyone's hurt now. So. Yep. Yeah. I mean. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I mean, you guys pointed out, man. If if they don't hit and score runs in this next stretch of games, the season's over. It really comes down to that because I don't trust no one. No Yankee fan trusts anyone in this bullpen right now. The only guy we might trust is who? Clay Holmes. Who has been brilliant, by the way. Shout out Cashman. That was a great trade. I think was yeah. In 16 innings, he has a 2.16 ERA. 32% strikeout reach. He's been phenomenal. And maybe Wandy, I guess, here and there. He's struggled a little bit yeah. the couple weeks, but he's still I, that's that's the that's the thing though. Like you Chad Green, I mean, you put him in a game in a tie game. You better bet the over. He's gonna give up the tie run or a game-winning home run. And you mentioned it, Joel Chapman. I mean, he's streaky, just like the Yankees. It's just like, if they don't score runs, if they don't blow teams, um, I almost said blow teams up, Jesus Christ. Blow teams open, relax here. Blow teams open, like, it's going to be it's gonna be bad because this bullpen will give it up. Blow I mean, up. Outside, of, outside, of, outside of Chapman and Clay Holmes and, and Wandy Peralta, uh, you know, the rest of their, their bullpen is made up of pitchers who are super bad. Like, you know, they sent down yeah. you know, Chris Key today or they DFA'd him or whatever it was. And he's just one of a handful of terrible pitchers who still exist within this bullpen. You know, it's like yeah. three quarters of the bullpen are, are terrible pitchers. I mean, I think. it's there's a lot there's a lot to, to say, because the the issue with, you know, Loisaga getting hurt, 
And and let's just put Britain to the side because it's a lost se- it's been a lost season for him. He's been a, a mess and injured all year. Um, so he doesn't really apply. But the thing with Loisaga getting hurt, Green running into a brick wall, um, you know, some of these, you know, even Wandy to an extent, like it's a product of the of the lineup underperforming all season. And that's why you you talk about rest and stuff. Like we can't have Luke Voigt sit on the bench for more than half of the games. I know he's in the lineup tonight, but he needs to be in the lineup, you know, as many times as possible going forward for the, for the remainder of the, of the season. Um, you know, they have a, a lot of problems and this isn't breaking news. They have a lot of problems scoring runs. And so when you, when you have that issue, like you need to have your best players in the lineup every night. And when you have, you know, a lot of the team who's underperforming this year, DJ LeMahieu, Glaber Torres, Gio Urshela, um, Joey Gallo obviously has not been good when you have, you know, almost half or more of your lineup really having bad seasons or, or struggling when you have a guy like Voigt who was going hot, like you just got to leave him in the lineup. And even if he struggles, you got to keep him. You got to keep him in there. He's not a guy who, you know, has deserved to be benched over some of the other players that have continued to get playing time. And that's not to sh- like to dump on Brett Gardner or anything like that, but, you know, I think we need to, you know, we need to put our best hitters out there every, as much as we possibly can. The bullpen is dead. So there's no more saving the bullpen. The best, dead. <laughs> the best thing that they can do is try to win games by five runs, six runs if they can, but they don't. And so that's the issue. Like we had trusted relievers. We had one guy who we really trusted who got hurt because he was used so much in high leverage situations. And Chad Green was very good at the beginning of the season, but he's been worked very, very, very heavily. He's, you know, going to throw more innings and more games this year than he ever has in his career. And that's coming off of a shortened season. So like, it's not a sustainable model, which is something that we've been saying forever because they rely, they've always been a bullpen dominant team. Usually it's because the starting pitching is weak, but honestly, this season, the reason why the Yankees are even in a position to possibly make the playoffs is because the starting rotation has held the team together. The starting rotation has been very good all season. And now even that has taken hits. Hurt, yeah. So, you know, this is all a product of these underperforming offensive players. It's DJ LeMayhew and it's Glaber Torres mostly who are shouldering the blame, in my opinion, for the position that the team is in. Because I said this to you guys before, despite all of the struggles of this offense and this manager and some of these pitchers, this team right now would have a playoff spot if the bullpen didn't blow some of those games that they have this year. And I truly personally believe that if the lineup had scored more runs, if DJ LeMayhew had been having a better season, if Glaber Torres had performed the way we hoped he would perform, those issues could still exist. And this team would still be a playoff team, like for sure a lock playoff team. And right now it's 50, 50, like, are they going to make it or are they not going to make it? So it's just like, everything goes back to the problems that we were complaining about at the beginning of the season that never really got back on track. Even with the Rizzo and Gallo trades, it never really clicked for any lengthy amount of time. Outside of 13 straight games. Yeah. And that was a two week blip. It It was a two week blip. And even that though, like it was judge and stand. I'm forget it was judge and stand, but they weren't like blowing teams out. They were run game every night. They they don't, they don't. They don't blow teams out. I mean, they I'm, – I'm reading a stat right now from 
uh, Mike Accesso on his Patreon that it, the Yankees, they 39% of the batters their pitchers have faced this season have been low leverage situations. The MLB average is 45%. So they are like so far away from the norm in terms of like reliever workload and strenuous innings and strenuous pitches that put a lot more pressure on these pitchers' bodies and arms. And so, yeah, they don't play blowouts. Even during the streak, they didn't play blowouts. They were escaping jams and Chapman was, you know, saving games by the skin of his teeth. But the offense never clicked. It and and this goes back to the streak, the losing streak that they just came off of. If Judge and Stanton don't hit, they don't win because nobody else exists right now. Yeah. And so yeah. it's it's all it's all relating to that. It and- is no, it's Well, I was just going to say that we will take it with a grain of uh, – or not with a grain of salt, but you, you take what you can have. And it was nice, at least for once, to see Judge and Stanton be able to single-handedly yeah. will this team. You know, we've spent so much time on this podcast dissecting, you know, these two guys have never really been able to put it together at the same time. For those 13 games, they put it together at the same time. They literally carried the Yankees on their back. And that's what's so almost so frustrating is the fact that after we saw how gargantuan a Yankees team can be, if these two guys are able to click on the same time, they just started to, to get away from that and to start to, to rest Stanton and the rest judge and to take protection out of the lineup. And that's what has made it such an indictment on Cashman and, and Boone and the front office and the analytics staff and, people putting together these lineups, the fact that like literally what you went and did in 2017 during the off season to get Stanton to come here, to say, these are going to be your bash boys to be able to make these two guys, the center point of your team. It paid off for these 13 games and you saw it firsthand. And then they were like, now nah, we're good. We're going to you know rest some guys some more. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You're just mentioning that Aaron Judge and Stan are having these great years and we're fighting for a freaking wild card because of all these other issues. And the main issues that main concerns going into this year, right, was the health and the starting rotation. And so far, other than the last few weeks, of course, with some bullpen and starting pitching, and there, there were some starting uh, position injuries early on, but nothing crazy. That was everything's been fine. And Josh, you mentioned too the starting rotation, but it's been coming down to again the offense and other people not doing the job. It's just like, did we really think DJ LeMay was going to have this bad of a year? No. no. Seeing how consistent he has been, and when they show those stats of where he was the last couple years with the Yankees and where he is league wide now, it's just crazy to see. And Glaber Torres, man, like I, 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 in chatting with you guys, like I've been probably the biggest supporter. For Gleyber Torres, like the defender for him, just like, no, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. But like the last, I think the last week I've broken two, like, and they, and the Yankees finally see it. It's taken a while, but they finally moved him away from the shortstop position where hopefully this clears his mind a little bit and can get him going better offensively. I know he had a home run against the Mets this past weekend where he finally elevated the ball. I don't remember the last time that I saw Gleyber Torres get a home run like that. It's supremely frustrating. It's just, yeah, because Gleyber Torres, we, again, we, all this potential and stuff. And yes, he's still young. So hopefully moving him back to second base for these last, they're doing a lot of shifting here, guys. Yeah. It's kind of, I I wouldn't say, I don't know if it, would you say panic moves or they're just trying to see what works here? I don't know. Changes or 
It's not panic. It's like it's it's, it's not working. So we got to switch something up. Yeah. So well, trying to be urgent. Urgency is there now, I guess. Exactly. Well, it's what we were kind of like begging for in the beginning of the season when things were were going so badly, and we were just saying like they have to change something because the way it's going right now, the what what they're doing, it just doesn't it just doesn't work. And so like it it's not panic but it feels maybe a little desperate because they are going to be weaker at defense at third and second but better at shortstop and obviously I think shortstop the defense there you know is very important um so I think the Yankees are willing to take those two uh downgrades at the other positions just so that they're a little bit more sure up the middle at, at short but I just you know and I don't have an issue with it I just think that the Yankees they were trying to trade for Trevor story at the deadline. So they were admitting to themselves that the Glaber shortstop thing was a failing experiment. Even Caston said something remember earlier yeah. in the year. And now here we are September 14th. I mean, it started yesterday, September 13th, you know, now is when they decide to finally pull the plug. So it's just like, I appreciate that they're doing it and that there's, you know, there's a sense of urgency there. And um, you know, it's, it's one final card that Aaron Boone has to play, but why now? Like, why did it take so long? Because well, Yankee think, fans have been saying for months and maybe even years that Glaber Torres wasn't, you know, a shortstop. It's not a viable long-term solution for them. But so it, it's it's just frustrating to see them make a move of this magnitude this late. For me, I think it just goes to show you just how supremely dug in to their own yeah. ideology the front offices. I mean, look, yeah. it took to the trade deadline for them to admit that they needed left-handed bats, and then they went out there and they got Rizzo and they got Joey Gallo, and lo and behold, it started to pay off a little bit when they were able to get some lefty power into that side of the lineup. They were able to balance the lineup a little bit, and sure, Gallo hasn't been that great. In fact, he's been downright awful since he's gotten here, but you know, at least they have that in the lineup. This is just another example of that. Back in April and back in May and back in June, when they needed to switch something up and when we got on this podcast and we screamed and yelled and we were begging them to do something because of how bad you have been, internally, the Yankees front office must have just said to themselves, we have time. We don't need to change our approach or go out there and fix what we want to do because the fan base wants it, because we believe what we're doing is right. Now, on September 14th, with 18 or so games left, you can't do that anymore. They are physically and metaphorically and, you know, whatever Lee you want to put out there, out of time. They lose more games, they will be out of the playoffs. So because of that, there is no other choice for them than to make these moves. Because, quite frankly, Glaber Torres is terrible at shortstop. I don't care what number you throw at me. I don't care what analytics you throw at me. He literally made multiple errors this weekend that cost them runs. He's terrible at shortstop. And he cannot play shortstop in the future. So in the offseason, we'll get to the point where we have a discussion mm -hmm. about whether or not the Yankees keep him here. They move on with him. They move him to second. Whatever it is, that's a discussion for another day but right now they're out of options so in order to at least jumpstart something they've almost said to themselves like we are out of time we are out of games we are past the point where we can pretend like our way works anymore which we've been doing all year and now let's move this guy back to second base but they're at a disadvantage because they are so ill-prepared in their roster and ill-prepared in their makeup and depth 
that they have to play a third baseman at second at shortstop. They have to play a second baseman at third base, and they have to play a second baseman who was shortstop all year at second base again. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's it all goes back to that, you know, what you said about them being dug in, and it's it's the same thing with the Heaney situation. Like, okay, listen, Andrew Heaney obviously should not be on this team, right? He should have been designated for assignment many times over by now. He's almost, you know, given up a run in inning as a Yankee. It's bad, okay, very very bad. But they keep him on the roster because they don't like to lose bodies. They val- they value more. It seems to me that they value, you know, having bodies more than having the right bodies. Like having Heaney on the roster while you keep Luis Heel in AAA is more important than losing Andrew Heaney and having Heel in the majors, which is basically the decision that they made, you know, in August, at the end of August, beginning of this, this month. Um, and I think most people would disagree. But whatever. Then they move Heaney to the bullpen, uh, just because it got so bad as a starter um, that they, you know, they pretty much had had no choice. So this, the point is, like, he shouldn't be on the roster, but the Yankees believe that he should be because it's a body that they don't want to lose. Now he's going to be on the roster. That does not mean he needs to pitch in high leverage situations. That's an Aaron Boone problem, right? That that is another another thing of like well, our way is the right way. Like, let's just allow this guy to sit in the bullpen and allow our manager to put him in high leverage situations, which he's continue, he's continued to do. But the point is like the front office, it's, it's the game, the winning of the game feels less important to them than their like stupid roster manipulation and, and decisions like that. That's what they seem to care the most about. Like, Oh, well, you know, it's a 28 man roster, but if we um, keep Luis Heal in AAA and have Andrew Heaney in our bullpen and we can call up Heal when we want to, it's kind of like having a 29 man roster. But you're losing yourselves games when you do that because Heaney is on the roster, which means he's going to get in games because this bullpen is very taxed and they don't have the luxury on a normal team, they would, but they don't have this team doesn't have the luxury of hiding guys in the back of the bullpen for mop-up duty. There are no games with mop-up duty. They don't win blowouts. They don't lose blowouts. So if Heaney's in the pen, he's pitching. And it's decisions like that that lose you games. And it's the same thing with the rest. And it's the same thing with, you know, putting, making, gluing Giancarlo Stanton to the DH spot for half of the season. Like, it's these decisions. When of, he's been well, great since yeah, playing outfield. Our computers say this. And so that means it has to work. And if it doesn't work, well, then we just chalk it up to an error and the computer will correct for it the next time. But the game is played on the field. It's the same thing that we've been saying all year. It has a heartbeat. Like these are people. They're not just machines in a, on a, you know, Excel spreadsheet. Like it's more than just about the manipulation of your roster and the manipulation of your lineup. You have to win the games, and it seems that that is secondary to them. And obviously, that's probably not the case, but that's just how it plays to the fans. I mean, how many times in fantasy football have we literally seen these projections for these players, and then somebody comes out and has a 40-point game on a weekend? Exactly. But it's like you still set your roster, you still set your lineups based off of what the projections are for these people. And then sometimes you leave a guy on your bench who has a 40-point game, and sometimes you have a guy on your roster who has – a two point game. And if dummies like that 
who rely on interfaces to play make-believe football can understand that, you know what, the game gets played on the field. You would think the guys who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year because the Yankees definitely pay their analytics staff well would understand that that's the way that it works. But to your point, Josh, what's the old expression? We would rather be we would rather say we're right and, and lose than, you know, admit we're wrong and win. That's what they want. They never want to admit they're wrong until the last possible moment where then they just look like idiots because they have to admit they're wrong and they don't have the pieces to correct it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like they, you know, they can say at the end of the season, ah, well, it didn't work out for us this time, but next time, you know, we'll have our algorithms finally tuned a little bit more and, and it'll, it'll play for us in, in our favor. Yeah, or Loisaga won't get hurt or, you know, yeah, they wouldn't have lost exactly. to Garrett Cole three innings into a game with a hamstring something or blah, 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 yep. blah, blah. Yep. What computer and algorithm has Andrew Heaney on a team though? Like, I just, like, what, that, that's just, I, I don't get. I understand, if, if winning is secondary, then what's, what, why we play it? Well, you know I what? We need to win games to make the playoffs. And Josh Andrew was right Heaney when he said roster team. manipulation. That's what it is. It's the, the Heaney thing is I not that, analytical. but it makes no sense to have, I don't care about roster manipulation. None well, of us they do. They have to pay him. They don't want to cut him. They have to pay yeah. money. None of us. It's, none of us care about that. Then they don't. They, then it just. It's just idiotic. Because Andrew Heaney knows he sucks. He. You can see it on the face when he pitches. He's not good. He shouldn't even be in the league. He can't he'll give up home runs to little league guys. He's actually had a good two, a uh, couple games. But anyway, but, <laughs> give me a they break, man. They don't. Like, every time win. I see his face, I want to punch the TV. But look at the I most hated of my list. They but look at the sense. other look at the other players that are like I guess like below him on the totem pole, like Brooks Krisky, who just got designated for assignment today, like you mentioned, like you mentioned before, Jules, Nick Nelson, um, you know, Sal Romano, who has been back and forth a million times. Like they don't have they don't have the arms. And I'm not saying that we obviously know that Heaney isn't good. But he's been in the what major about, leagues. I saw. I was reading Adam Warren's down there. He's done it before. Well, that's the thing too. It's like you, you, you know, they asked him. In a roster, you don't. You got to get rid of. He's not on the forty man, so what they would you, have. Are you trying to win or not, though? But that's the. That's what we're not. saying. That's yeah. what we're saying. It's like they value the bodies. Like okay, so in our organization, we have these guys, and we can only have some of them on our major league roster because of a forty man roster and roster number limitations. But if we have these guys in our organization, we're winning because. We have them, but if you don't use them or you have the wrong guys in the wrong places, what does it matter? And also let's not forget the fact that the Yankees literally make roster decisions based off of financials. I mean, that, that cannot be buried because the fact is at the trade deadline, the Yankees took on two big time contracts with Gallo and with Rizzo that were free. Mm -hmm. Wonder whether or not if the Cubs or the Rangers were not really willing to eat all that salary this year, how into the fact of trading for these two players the Yankees would have been. I'm sure, maybe not a big amount, but I'm sure the fact that Heaney was not for free. He was a $2 million contract player coming in this year, which means they have to pay him a couple hundred thousand dollars. I'm sure that not DFAing him or DFAing him and admitting your mistake probably has a little bit of financial incentive for them. If they don't have yeah. to pay for a guy who's not on their roster anymore, 
in the way that Texas is doing with Rugnet Odor, who of course was another free, free player that the Yankees have, then the Yankees wouldn't do it. They don't want somebody else to pick up Andrew Heaney, even if he stinks, because he will get picked up. He's an arm on a body somewhere. Some major league team will use him. The Yankees don't want to pay him, even if that's 100K. They don't want to have to put that money towards him. So they'd yeah. rather him bomb this season because they need arms, even if they're not good, because they're paying him. Yeah, and the, well, the, again, the, that's the arrogance of the Yankees. That we That's it. I was just going to say the same the thing. The arrogance of the Yankees is what, what got us here and what's not going to get us to where we want to be, and that's winning number 28. Because as long as this, as you're probably going to say, Jess, as long as that's this organization's philosophy, then we ain't going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Because you can't – I get the financials coming into play for big-name players, obviously, like Jacoby Ellsbury, the reason why he wasn't – you know, he was around on around and on the roster for so long was because he was making so much money. But when we're talking about the fringes of the roster, like the Andrew Heaney's of the world, and the financials are going to come into play for a guy who's making a couple million bucks who you don't even have to pay the full amount to because the season's almost over, that's what – you know, is incentivizes you to keep a guy around while the Blue Jays designate Brad Hand for assignment, who's a pitcher with a much better pedigree, who I don't know the salary, but he's making more. He was making more than Heaney. Right. So if the Blue Jays can do something like that after acquiring him yeah. at the deadline, then the Yankees have no reason to be, you know, pussyfooting around the Heaney stuff. Um, it's it's the arrogance. Like it's that's what it is. Like if you if winning isn't the number one thing, then you're obviously not going to win because mm-hmm. your, your judgment as a organization, as an organization and as, you know, a front office is going to be clouded by things that get in the way of that. And so that's sort of like where we are now. And like, it's, it sort of sounds like we're blaming the season, like whatever happens on Andrew Heaney, which isn't the case, but he's just an example. He's like, he's a, he's an example of the problem. He's like a symptom of a larger sickness. The issue with Heaney is the same issue that just kind of boils down to it. Because the fact is, right now, on Tuesday, September 14th, if the New York Yankees made the wild card game, you would not be able to tell me with any, any conviction that they were going to win that game, let alone win the American League Division Series and then go to the Championship Series or make the World Series. And it's not because... We're pessimistic, pessimistic fans. And it's not because we don't have faith in the team. And it's not because anything can or cannot happen. It's because the Yankees legitimately are keeping on players who are a detriment to the team. They are right now in a position in which offensively, defensively, bullpen-wise, and starting rotation-wise, they have too many negatives that make it impossible for them to get a positive. And that is what will ultimately come back to burn them because they are not even in the playoffs yet. So truly they don't have the same luxuries that a team like the blue Jays or a team like Boston or a team that's really up there, like the Dodgers do to be able to do something. The roster is not built for October right now. It's barely built to win a wild card. Game. Yeah. I, I themselves the blame. They, they're, I, they're not even built for a, the way it is right now in the bullpen. They're not built for a pennant race. They're yeah. forget forget playoff games. They're not built for what they're doing right now. And if it comes if it comes down to the fact that they actually do end up making it, it's like a miracle almost. Mm-hmm. 
But the one thing that is there, I mean, on paper, is the lineup. We have today's our first, other than Gary, today's our first like look at the lineup where all the A guys are in there on paper, I'm saying. Because yeah. yes, everyone has underperformed and stuff. And of course, we're tonight we're versing a guy who I think has a seven ERA in Camden Yard. So like we've said earlier in the podcast, this offense is really going to have to step up and score some runs. So, you know, our bullpen can get relaxed and calm down because it's so taxed. I, 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 they have a record here, records for Yankees and blowouts, five runs or more. They're 15 and 14. The Red Sox are 20 and 19. The Blue Jays are 27 and 12. The Rays are 34 and 13. And the Orioles are 13 and 38. We only have two more wins better than the Orioles when it comes to blowouts. And those three other teams, especially the Blue Jays and Rays, they're killing teams. And that's why they are. With, I mean, the Blue Jays are only a one game. In front. I mean, the Blue Jays put up a 20. Run differential? Day, so. <laughs> yeah. If you look at the Blue Jays run differential, man, they are just, I mean, look at that lineup. They're just crushing us. How many times have the Yankees cracked 10 runs this year? <sighs> that's a good question. top of my head. That's a good question for maybe, Katie Sharp. Maybe five times. I don't, I don't even think, I think that. I'm going to do some digging. Is I'm going to do some is, digging. Yeah, to me, that is a is a very, very generous number. Five times of having scored double-digit runs this year. Meanwhile, Toronto has done it a plethora of times. I couldn't even fathom the Yankees. Yeah, Toronto scored 10 runs in an inning. I can't fathom the Yankees doing it in a game, let alone touching the number 20 with this current 2021 Yankees team. And Toronto just did it literally on Last football week. Sunday. Yeah, oh, this uh, this Sunday, 20, 22 7, right? Yep. Something like that. It's like a football score. Yeah. The, the, the Blue Jays could score. Well, this is what's going to And be- it was against Baltimore, who you should blow up, but the Yankees barely, barely have a winning record against this year. And they keep it close as well, all the time, every game. That, that record alone is an indictment on everybody in the organization because those are the games that literally. Forget any other bad loss the Yankees have had this year. Forget the Pete Alonso home run against Chapman. Forget blowing the lead against the Angels. Forget the the Field of Dreams game. Forget them not sweeping or even getting a win against Detroit. The terrible losses are the ones against Baltimore. A team 50 games under 500, and they lost two out of three to them less than a week and a half ago. Remember they those got swept the by issues. the Tigers? Yep. I mean, those are the ones that are like, you know, the Rays literally lost one game to them this year. That's the division. If the Yankees yeah. were seven games better against Baltimore, which is not unheard of, this team is terrible. So seven games better, which is not asking a lot, they probably are comfortably in the wild card lead right now. And mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe they're challenging for the division, or at the very least, there's a possibility that maybe could have a chance to compete for it in the final nine games of the season. Yeah. So I just looked up the double digit runs this year scored by the Yankees. So they've scored double digits six times. Yeah, so um, one more than five. Yeah. And nine runs two more times. So, and I'm just looking now just to see those games were mostly all blowouts except for one of the nine run games was nine, six win against the twins. Um, But yeah, so those are the games obviously make sense when they score double digit runs, you win blowouts. But you know, other than that, there aren't too many more games that are, you know, decided by five or more runs. Um, 
and even those, you know, those games are a little bit low scoring. So who knows? It could have been some stuff late in, late in the game where the Yankees have like a little bit of a bigger inning in the eighth after somebody just pitched a hard seventh inning, you know, stuff yep. like that. So that, that stuff just kind of piles on on top. But the point is that, you know, all season and this is a lineup yep. uh, on, in theory. That, and, and we've Judge, seen it. Boy, now they have Gallo. They have Rizzo. Yeah. We've DJ. seen it in past years. They've scored runs like it was nobody's business like it was their job which it is but they were like the number one run scoring team in baseball for for multiple years at a time and now all of a sudden it's dead it's just shocking to see this stuff it's like to have that to have that many big names in this lineup and to have only scored 10 runs six times in 162 games which means that in theory they could end the game the entire season you know, having less than 10 times, you know, in that long of a year is terrible. It's awful. Yeah. There's no other way around with the names in that lineup. MVP, AL rookie of the year and should have been MVP guy who was MVP candidate last year. One in theory, one of the better young players in the game, the home run champ from last season, you know, two great left-handed power hitters. And less less than seven times they've scored ten rounds. It's just very confusing, man. And yeah, before the deadline, we were and we read some articles where it was like they were two right-handed and they were a very pitchable lineup, right? And then we got these two lefties, and yeah, we got on that thirteen-game winning streak. But now it's back to the same old shit, and it's like I, I've never seen a team. I think I tweeted this a couple of weeks ago. I just never, and I've probably mentioned it plenty of times because it's the same damn never seen a team where you know a, such a talented loaded team on paper like like you said just great players just do so poorly against rookie pitchers or these pitchers with like five ERAs that are either have had eight game stretches coming into that game where they've been brutal and then they two hit shut the Yanks or if it's just yeah it's just very it's just very puzzling and yeah. it's just like just baseball it's just like it's just for the yankees it just happens or is there something else there it's just very very weird but yeah, yeah the yankees, uh, i'm just gonna have to now. shut up and talk now they're gonna have to hit yeah i'm just looking now just just to compare just to see toronto double digit scoring outputs 21 times this year this year Jeez. and they scored nine runs one two three four five times so so almost triple what the yankees have yeah. or quadruple at a, at a certain point yeah. yep so that's just a comparison of one team i'm gonna assume that that's a higher end of the league and not closer to the average but still you know this is a team that they're directly competing with who they were supposed to be a lot better than because mm. the toronto was supposed to be what a third place team a fourth place yep. team where where the yankees are right now basically so yeah. You know, it's just just by comparison, it's it just shows you and it's nothing new. Again, it's just more stats to confirm what we've been saying all along, which is the the offense isn't good enough. And and there's just other stuff, too, that like that you want to just pull your hair out about. And, you know, a lot of that has to do, at least for me, with the manager. And, you know, I I don't know if we're going to get into it now, but like the Sal Romano stuff last week, like what the hell was that? You know, in that game where he comes in in the oh. seventh inning of a tie game with Wandy Peralta warming up behind him, why are we starting? Like, I just don't understand. And then he gets designated for assignment the following day, um, and the, uh, they bring him back today. It's just 
that's the stuff that when you when you manage your roster weirdly and then you have a bad manager to compound the mistakes, it's a terrible combination. It's a recipe that you can't overcome. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's just stuff like that constantly happens. And you you honestly have to hold your breath like anytime. Anytime Boone has to make a choice like that. That's another op- that's another big issue. Like, say they make it yeah. into October and like not only do we have the, the lineup problems, if can we hit uh, and hold the lead? It's can this stupid ass manager make the right decision at the right time? These are three, and he's given us no reason to think he can. No, nope. the, the, all three. And that's not just not giving us any that's reason. Literally, been in the playoffs the last three years. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a very puzzling issue because the fact is, as Yankee fans, we want to see the Yankees not only make the playoffs but win the World Series. But at the same time, we're now pressed with the question of if the only way the Yankees might get changed is by them stinking then what does that mean as far as the team is concerned? Because the fact is Aaron Boone is not only a, a mediocre manager, he's a terrible. And he has been as bad of a reason why they have stunk this year as the players, the pitchers, the bullpen, Cashman, the analytics staff, whatever it is that you want to say, he's pretty much reason either 1A or 1B uh, about why they have been as bad as they, as they have been. And it can be conflicting, especially when you consider that them making the playoffs and going on a run short of them winning the World Series might mean that he's probably going to get another chance next year. And it, it would be hard to justify him being able to get one. Uh, but the way that the Yankees are, you know, Boone is their quote-unquote guy because he – He's a mouthpiece, and he allows chat, uh, Cashman and analytics to do what they want, which is what they've pretty much done uh, through the, the last, you know, three quarters plus of this year. I mean, it's the pro- – uh, that's what we've been saying to, to ourselves, you know, last few days is even if they make the wild card game and they lose, we all think that there's a chance that he'll come back, like almost as likely that he'll be back as he won't. And that's because we think that they, the Yankees organization, that is, views just making the playoffs as enough. And the playoffs are a crapshoot. So if we get there, that means we did we did our jobs the right way. And if we win, that's great. And if we don't, well, you know, there's a reason why we didn't win, but it wasn't really something that was necessarily our fault, even though it's a tough business. Like things are your fault. It's hard. It's not easy to win championships and to make the world series, but ultimately if you fall short, that's because something that you did in your roster makeup wasn't right or in your managerial moves wasn't right. And, and if, and if they, if they make it, then what they'll say is we'll tweak the simulation next year. And we probably won't play in the wild card game. Cause you know, we have a lot of talent offensively and, you know, we have a, a lot of good starters coming back next year and, you know, blah, 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 blah. The same lip service we've literally heard uh, year in and year out for the last two and a half, three years. I'm I'm kind of leaning both ways here because like you guys are saying, like that we've we've seen it the last few years where the Yanks just make excuses and I don't trust them in making the right decision. But like if OK, if you don't make the playoffs. That's a catastrophe, right? Like we would hope Aaron Boone's gone. Now, if you make the wild card game and you lose there, you make the ALDS and you lose there, that's still a disappointment. 
This season is still a disappointment. The Yankees were supposed to run away with the American League East and be a World Series contender. If they sneak into the wild card game because they get lucky with some other teams losing in the down the stretch or they just like back into it like they did back in 2015 and they lose, I would hope that the Yankees organization is still seeing that, okay, something happened here and we lost again and we still this is still the most underwhelming team underwhelming season like it's still a disappointment so i'm having a little faith but like you said guys like the yankees are used to making excuses so i'm holding a little faith there but yeah wishful thinking know. at this point all right, you're right give us pop of the week baby pop of the week has to go to aaron judge man because he's the only one trying to save this season even though i don't know what the hell he said last week in that speech because the next day out, it was the most embarrassing game ever against the Mets. I think the Mets scored like 10 runs in like two innings, but then Aaron Judge backed up, backed it up the next three, four. By the way, for the record, I, I resent what you said because Stanton has also been playing super good. and uh, He has, but Aaron – he has, but Aaron Judge – No, well, you said Judge was the only guy trying to save the season, man. So, I uh, meant I'm like recently, but so, Stan has. You know, hey, he well, tried I mean, Sunday. Stan hit a home run against the Mets. It was a tying run, or else they would have gotten blown out in the game. But you're no, right. You're just right. for the record. Right. So, you know, we'll, we'll, let, we'll let, uh, call a spade a spade, my friend. All right. Relax. I, I love, love my Stan now. He's a little sensitive. Jules is a little sensitive. He is. Stan. When it comes to Stan, no, he's sensitive because every time Stan has his big moment. Yeah. Get, it gets buried, which is the truth. And <laughs> true. I'm, I'm not going to go on a rant there, but all I'm going to say is his two biggest moments of the year with the Lindor homer and, and him puffing his chest out and being able to do that and his go-ahead home run in the Field of Dreams. The Yankees jobbed him like he was a, like a, a low-card WWE wrestler. And wow. I, I'm it's true. pissed about it. And that, that's why he'll never be a true Yankee because Mark fans, not you guys, but idiot Mark fans uh, say Stanton never does anything big because they don't watch every single game and they just see the fucking box score where they lose. And uh, I'm going on a rant now, so I'm, I'm <laughs> slowing my roll. Hey, <laughs> E-Ray, you said something interesting in your pop of the week, and I'm not going to steal your thunder this week and give my own papa. Um, I'll just confirm something that you said. You mentioned team meeting, right? So in the same article that I was referencing before that Exissa wrote with the stat about the leverage situations for the relievers, he actually listed, coincidentally, the team meetings that they've had this year, at least the ones that have been, you know, talked Bubble. about in the media. April 16th, they had a team meeting after an 8-2 loss to Tampa. They lost the next two games. June 29th, <laughs> they had a team meeting before an 11-5 win over the Angels. They then lost the next three games. September 9th, last week team meeting after the four game sweep by the blue Jays the next night was their most embarrassing, maybe their most embarrassing loss of the season where Gary Sanchez decided that he wanted to uh, be a matador instead of a catcher. Um, They, you know, lost obviously the next uh, that next game. And then following night, they had a meeting on September 10th after uh, the ugly loss to the Mets. And then the Yankees won the next game, uh, obviously, before losing the final game of the series on Sunday. So there you go. The team meetings have not worked for the Yankees. They maybe, they should, maybe they should stop talking. Yeah. I mean, we knew that. We've whether said that before. Judge or whether it's a Luke Voigt or really anybody, when they when they try and be cute, they usually get burned. And we've seen it so many times this year, whether it was the jacket, 
whether it was New York, New York back in 2018, whether it was Voight saying they were going to go out there and win last year versus the Rays. They're idiots, and they do need to stop. We didn't even talk about Sunday's thing, which we don't have to, but it's more of the same nonsense. Long story short, the Mets are babies, and whistling is not the same as putting cameras in center field. That's that's the only thing that we're going to say about that. If anything more comes of it, it will be an interesting topic of fodder for us to bring up because uh, who knows in, in three weeks when we're doing the pod, it'll probably be a season recap pod, but maybe we'll get lucky. Uh, but who knows? We'll <laughs> Definitely, I'm banking on season recap. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, let me, real quick. Uh, let me just mention that. I don't know if I'm the one that hex the Yankees, but I, my boss uh, texted me three weeks ago saying, Hey, I got Nick's preseason tickets on October 5th. And I was like, nah, I can't make it. Yanks are probably going to be in the wild card game. I think they won. There it is. There it is. I was, I was the guy. Um, I was, I had also been contemplating, you know, how I'm going to drive up from DC to be able to, (laughs) to watch the wild card game with you guys. But uh, as of right now, it looks like a, they're probably not going to make the wild card game. And B, if they do, it's definitely not going to be a Yankee Stadium. So neither of those things uh, are are really relevant anymore. When it all so Eray will be at the Knicks preseason game. I'll be watching the Knicks preseason game, and Jules will be down in DC. No, yeah, I still don't think I'm going, but we'll see. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, always exciting and always fun. But we'll get you an update on whether or not Eray does go to that preseason <laughs> game, and it will be based off of whether or not the Yankees make the playoffs, which only time will tell at this point that's going to do it for us here inside our little yankees podcast as always you can listen to us wherever podcasts are found now that we're back and good as new make sure you check us out on spotify on apple Podcasts. we're on tune in we're on soundcloud we also broadcast every episode live on youtube go to our page at our little yankees podcast make sure you give us a rating and hit subscribe as well so that way you can be up to date with all our latest episodes and you can listen back For Josh Levin and E-Ray Sepulveda, I'm Julian Coultry. Go Yankees. Let's see what happens down the stretch, boys.